Nick, welcome to the podcast, man. How you doing? Thank you for having me. Very happy to be here. How's everything going with you? It's busy. It's really, really busy. We've uh, we've had some really cool guests recently. We were at the Red Bull uh, F1 factory. We had the Sim Racing Expo in Germany. It's been it's been a real pleasure. You know, I get to talk to people like yourselves about sim racing, which is it's kind of what I get up for. So you know, no complaints. Hey, I saw some of the sim racing expo stuff, and it looked really, really cool. There was just like, I've never been myself. You'll you'll have to tell me. But is it just like a mecca? For like sim racing nerds yeah that is probably the most it looks succ- incredible yeah that is definitely the most succinct way of putting it it is it's exactly that it is it is a mecca every sim racer once in their life has to has to commit hajj and go to the sim yeah. racing expo <laughs> in this case in dortmund it's gonna be in dortmund and it was Nuremberg. yeah very it's, cool uh, and equipment right so everyone from Assetek and fanatech you know you had track racer rigs there next level racing rigs you had motion rigs you had so uh, cool. vario with the vr headsets like it's uh yeah it's it's a basically lot of fun. very expensive yes there was no <laughs> thrustmaster no logitech no moser no simagic so you didn't really have that, that entry level it was kind of like it was kind of because it was so hardware focused it was kind of like if you have a rig and yep. you know once you're on that ladder you can never get off once you start sliding down the slope you yep. just it gets just more expensive more expensive right so it felt very much like a it was an expo focused at um upgrades um and you know what you didn't do this on purpose, but this is a perfect segue. And all segues are best when you kind of, you know, acknowledge them as you're yeah. making it. Point them out, obviously. Yes, you have to point them out, right? Yeah. I just I just need that kind of uh that that self uh you know, what am I doing? I'm self-complimenting uh, my hosting abilities, which as you can tell are incredible. Okay, I'm gonna stop now. Uh so as always, did a lot of research on your channel, uh, AR12 Gaming, and I went all the way back to the beginning, like 12 oh dear. years ago, it says, right, on your, uh, yep. your, right to the, your first videos. And let's start with setup. So people who have listened to this podcast before, know there's a few things I always like to ask every guest. And since we're here, since we're talking yep. hardware, that tends to be the first things. Now, I looked at, uh, I think it's your third video. I think you did, you did a f- two Forza Horizon 4 videos, and then it was like, my setup and it was essentially like a cathode ray tube tv on a coffee table with yep. like a, a laptop next to it and then a wheel that i could not make out uh, yep. behind it so tell us about your first setup. okay so if you went really far back on the ar12 channel you've probably been misled oh because that oh well this isn't my first channel uh throughout my time i've had 10 maybe more channels that I've made I've, concurrent or n- one after no. the other. Uh, well, when I this started was like 12 out 12 years ago, yeah, it was like concurrent back then. Okay, I was just kind of making channels for the fun of it, right? Back when YouTube started, nobody mm-hmm. made money or anything, so I was just making channels and uploading videos because it was fun, right? And, uh, anyways, long story short, yeah, similar thing before. Um, and I eventually transitioned to AR12 in 2012, and uh. Yes, you probably found that original setup video, which is probably one of the first ones I made. Um, But yeah, that wheel was, it was a Thrustmaster something Ferrari 458. Okay. I can't remember what it was called, but it was a, I think it was a 458 on one of those, I don't even know if they still exist. They're like um, wheel stand pros. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they still exist, but. um, There's a few iterations of them now. Okay, yeah. So it was on it was on one of those. Actually, before that, we gotta go back. That wasn't my first wheel. <laughs> okay, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah, we gotta go further back than that. You've just reminded me now that you're saying that. My first ever wheel was the Microsoft Xbox 360 wheel. Okay. And okay. I had always been like a fan of car games and stuff, right? And I was in the States with my parents. I must have been Oh, 12, 13. And I was always a fan of cars and everyone like my age grew up with those little terrible wee steering wheel things. They were awful. Terrible. Very fun. fun. Yeah, very fun. Completely uncontrollable. Um, And I was like, well, I want to get like the next step of that, which was the Microsoft wheel back in the day when they made their own racing wheels. Yeah, yeah. And 
It was designed in such a way where you could put it on your lap and race with it. Right. I remember because I had one from, so there's a, there's, a, there's a shop in England that you won't have heard of called Argos. And Argos, the Christmas yeah, yeah, catalog course. is iconic. Okay, right. Okay. Right. So yeah. iconic, right? The Argos Christmas catalog. Huge. Yep. And I remember getting a wheel when I was playing uh, Tocker 2, right? So the, one of the old okay. like, TCR, essentially, games. Yeah. Right? And I remember the wheel was, it was essentially like a rubber band. So there was no, like, yeah. there was no like force feedback. It just like bounced back to the center. But it had like these two little curved things. So you could put them on your, on your knees yeah. when you drove. It was so cool. It was so, so cool come. back then. Oh, I wish I still, I think my parents might have that wheel. I'd have to look. I'd have to whip it out of storage somewhere. But that was the first racing wheel. Then I guess I must have bought a Thrustmaster 458 wheel and uh, put it on a wheel stand pro mm -hmm. and then use that for a while. And then that was kind of at the same time my YouTube channel was kind of going up. And yeah. uh, then after that, it was just companies sending me wheels upon wheels. So your first few uh, videos... Now, I don't know how much of this is an effect of the channel subsequently getting massive and people going back to see what the original videos were. But even your first and your first 10 videos, they've all got somewhere between like 50,000 views up to three, 400,000 views, some of those. Now, how long did it take to get there? Was this like an instant success? You just said that when you had that set up, your YouTube channel was, was growing. Or do you think people have gone and essentially gone and watched the back catalog? Uh, probably a mix of both, but like, as, like, like I was saying, right, I've had so many channels throughout the years. Mm -hmm. It was more a throw everything at the wall and see what sticks, right? And the first YouTube channel I made kind of stuck. Things just kind of did well and was getting maybe 10,000 views or so. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, I could, I like, I just have fun with it, like, uploading videos and replying to comments and stuff. and. That channel phased out. Then I made another one, gaming focused. And then that's when all of the racing stuff started. And yeah, then it just kept going in that direction. And then ditched that channel and made AR12. So there was already like an established following. I think of like three, four, five thousand subscribers or something okay. like that. Yeah, yeah. And I said, hey, I'm leaving this channel. We're going to a new one. Mm -hmm. This is the new one. And then ever since then, never looked back. And the migration happened. Yeah. Now, uh, I noticed again, and I don't know if this is intentional, but every single one of your videos is racing, car, or motorsport related, except for one. Oh. There, is, there is one ice hockey video yep. right yep. at the beginning. So did you start off thinking AR12, nice generic name, could do anything, but then just... At some point, was like, hmm, I've done 20 videos and 19 are about racing. Maybe I should stick with that. So that's what my old channel was. My old channel was just throw everything at the wall. Like, I'm opening mm. up my YouTube channel right now, my second monitor. <laughs> and so it will take you about 10 minutes to scroll to the bottom, uh, uh, as I found. So I think there's like 4,000 videos on my channel mm -hmm. that you can see. That's a bit yeah. of a lie. Uh, there's probably like 5,000 or so. Um, probably a thousand of them are private. Um, so there are many more of those hockey videos that you just can't see um, okay. that have been privated and whatnot throughout the years. But um, yeah, I just, I liked cars. I played a lot of car games growing up and I played a lot of sports games growing up. So I was like, I'm just going to upload these. Um, I have videos on one of those older channels on like Assassin's Creed and Far Cry. Um, what I had fun with, right? I've never considered myself a car YouTuber. Mm, I don't consider myself a sim racer. I don't consider myself anything of those. I just, the way I always think of it is just, I upload a video every day on something that I find fun. And I just happen to really like cars. If you speak to me in person, I could talk to you about cars for probably days. It would be really boring, but I could. <laughs> well, clearly not, because there's a lot of people watching <laughs> watching those videos. So it, that that kind of leads me to my to, to a question I was just thinking about. There is you you really come across, and, and obviously we've spoken a couple of times now. You really come across somebody who who did it for the enjoyment first, 
and then have seen the opportunity to be able to kind of support yourselves by doing something you oh enjoy. yeah but but what do you enjoy most is it the games or is it the the creation of the content uh both okay like i love games um but i kind of treat games as my job sort of kind of or at least racing games um sort of kind of is my job um i'll very rarely play any form of car game when i'm not filming for the simple mm. fact that i want to almost artificially restrict myself from those games so my desire is always to play them more right like when a, when a new forza comes out when a set of corsa comes out when whatever comes out you always want to play, play those games, right? When they're fresh, you want to jump in and play yeah. them a whole bunch. Yeah, you want the first reaction video to actually be your first reaction, I guess. Exactly. Then, then you right? don't have to be a good actor. You can just be Yeah, a, just be you yourself. don't have to fake it. Like, yeah. even the other night, I was like, I really just want to go and do a Forza race just online while I'm sitting on the couch. Like, that'd be a lot of fun. But I just went, no, I'm, I'm just not going to because I want to keep that desire so, like, fresh and ingrained in me that I'll just not play them and do it on stream or do it on a video. It's basically the polar opposite of nearly everyone else in the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Wait, if I'm at work, I'm playing games and it's racing games. But when I'm not working, I don't want to play <laughs> racing games. I still need to sort of relax and play other games. So what other games do you play to, to get away from racing? Uh, so recently I've been playing a lot of Microsoft Flight Simulator. I really right. enjoy that. Mega, go. mega game. Yeah. Um, as we're recording this, it is October 25th. I don't know when this is going to come out, but uh, City Skylines 2 um, yes. just came out yesterday, and I've downloaded that, even though I've heard it's mixed reviews, but the old one was one of my favorites, so very excited to jump on that. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, probably not then. what you expected from well, sim racing YouTuber man. <laughs> actually, actually, having now spoken to, I don't know, three, four dozen streamers youtubers uh esports drivers there is yep. a theme and there's two okay. themes that i've identified right one i've spoken about in the podcast before one i haven't and the one that i have spoken about is there seems to be an affinity with sim racing and flight sims now there's an obvious connection there they're both simulators <laughs> yep. right but there's yep. so many people i know who who sim race and either want to get into flight sims or do so at the sim racing expo for example there were a couple of stands where it was a sim racing expo but they also were showing off their their flight rigs Oh, mega! There, right, because because it's, it's the yeah. same cockpit, and that you know, I went on one. Um, I was flying this little like Cessna around on a motion. Uh, oh, so with, cool! Yeah, with you know, with like the wraparound screen, and then it had the the yoke, and like, and and I'm I'm one of those. I sit in the category of I really really want to get into uh, flight sims. I keep. I'm at the, at the moment. I think the last week I've gone between: do I buy uh, the Thrustmaster Warthog or do I go Verpal? or vkb like which, which level do i want to start at do i want to just yep. dabble or do i just want to go all the way in and if i if i dabble and i like it then i'm gonna waste that anyway so <laughs> this is i'll stop because i, I it, it's funny that there's so many people that i know who sim race who either do flight sims or watch a lot of flight sim content with a view to starting themselves interesting okay very interesting yeah i wouldn't have expected that like for me i i was actually just talking about it on a on a recent video i made um I just, like, as much as I like cars, it's not cars that I like. It's just things that move. I like vehicles. <laughs> right. yeah. um, I was like, I would love to do a series at some point where I go into the real world and I just try different jobs. I'd love to drive, like, <laughs> a big 18-wheeler, forklifts, tractors. I don't know, like, um, those big excavators and stuff, like, I just, I don't know. It seems cool to me. It, it, well, it is. It's totally cool. Yeah, and you're totally preaching to the to the converted. Like we had the, the my girlfriend mocks me because she says I'm collecting licenses, right? So I could I have a a, a license to drive a ship, yep. whether that's warship, add, add civilian. <laughs> and I've got my I've just done my motorbike license. I've yep. got a car license, and I'm gliding at the weekend to try and get my pilot's license. She's <laughs> like, you don't have to just complete everything, right? You can. You don't. Yeah. You don't need to do it. Don't do it. But I feel like that's you're kind so of the cool. Same. And and then and then sim racing and flight sims. It's that appreciation of physics based. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say transport, but that makes it sound really boring. Just things that move games. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's really really cool. 
Um, one of my big supporters on the channel is Thrustmaster. Mm. Um, so I'm always testing out all of their racy wheels. And the other day we did a live stream with, um, with one of their guys where we tried to teach him how to drive. Yeah. That out to John. It went very well. Well done, John. It didn't go very well. Oh, there was a lot of crashing. <laughs> but one of the things we were saying, because they make a ton of flight sim stuff. Yeah. We were saying it'd be so much fun to do the Thrustmaster Triathlon. Ooh. And um, we do, we, we use me, who's like the car racing guy. Mm -hmm. And we get one of their truck driving guys, because they've got all oh, the truck sims. Yes. And then one of their flight sim guys. And we compete and see who's the ultimate Thrustmaster person. That is a great idea. I yeah. love that. And actually, the, the, you, the, you could do a, what, what would it be? A, a quadathlon? What's a four? Triathlon? Quad, it would be quad, 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 quad something. Quad, quad, quadlon. Um, yeah. Because when I was at Gamescom, I noticed a, a huge trend um, in farming simulators. Yeah. Physical simulators that you know you know how like motion in sim racing it's all about these like fine movements so you can feel breaking yeah. and lock up so in farming simulator you just sit there and just kind of bounce <laughs> <laughs> so, just, so, that's incredible um but then you know they, you had people like trying out this kit to kind of like be immersed and they had these huge like control panels and all the weird leads so cool but then you walk past it and then up on the stage there were these, you know, like a, a classic esports stage with a huge screen in the back and two desks with like two teams of four kitted out with their like jerseys with the crazy colors. And they were there with their screens ready to go. And I look on the screen behind them and there's like, you know, a few hundred people watching and cheering. And they're yeah. just hooning these tractors over fields and hedgerows like yeah. doing esports farming simulated. It, it is incredible. Nuts. Yeah. So, so cool. I remember, I guess I was at E3 or a Gamescom or something a couple of years ago and they had a farming simulator booth mm. and we were doing something with need for speed so we had like mercedes amg wide body and a nice i think it was like a datsun wide body and like all these cool cars right and farming simulator was like across the way and they had a bright big john deere in the <laughs> middle of their booth and i was like i love that one how did you even get that in here it's enormous yeah, and two, it's like that's the coolest thing. I'd like to drive. Please fire it up, right? You yeah, know, we're at Sim Racing Expo. There was like this rev off between Assetek that had an LMP, and I think it was Get Closer Racing had a Radical, and they would just yep. rev it at each other across the hall. I'd love to have like a tractor just in the middle of all that, just like with oh, a totally yeah. different like chug sound in the Incredible. middle. Incredible. But yeah, so that's basically my my story throughout the years. I've gone through many bits and bobs of stuff and equipment and mm. yeah so i'm back on thrustmaster after the DVD, i don't know right? 10 10 years i bought the first one and, and uh yeah now i'm, now I'm doing this again <laughs> well okay let's use flight sim okay as our as our like thread through this conversation because obviously we speak to a lot of streamers and youtubers and i have all these questions about youtube and and, and tips for people that are listening but yeah. Do you know what? Scrap all that. I want to talk about the similarities between the flight sim world and the sim racing world because there's one that really gets me, right? And okay. I know that you'll have seen this because I know a little bit about the community and stuff that you run, but uh, just a very quick story. So at the weekends, I go gliding. And the first time I went, um, I met this guy. I I'm fairly sure he doesn't listen to my podcast. In fact, he's like 70. I don't think he knows what a podcast is. So I'm going to hope that Colin is not listening, right? So I meet Colin, and Colin's going to be my instructor. I think this is my second or third trip up. Um, and Colin, you know, he's a northeast of England. He's a, you know, he's a, it was, it was a little, um, it was hard to break down the first time. I was trying to like get to know him and trying to make like a joke, and I, I wasn't getting anyone. I was like, That's fair enough. You know, we're here to learn. You know, I don't need to be everyone's friend. That's cool. And uh, we go off, we do the flight, and he's giving me, he's giving me like, really good feedback and stuff. But again, I haven't managed to make the guy laugh yet. And I'm just, uh, there's, there's, we just haven't connected. I'm like, okay, that's, yeah. that's fine. Anyway, so we go off and we do two or three flights on this, uh, on this Saturday morning. And at the end of it, he asked me what I do. And I was like, ah, here we go. This is it. Conversation started. So I was telling him that I work in sim racing, and I was telling him what sim racing was. And I was talking to him assuming that he wouldn't know what sim racing was right i was saying it's okay. like people like like racing cars but you have a wheel but it's obviously in your bedroom and it's simulated but it's physics based and you have all these communities and you have commentators and broadcasters and, stuff. and at this point I said, i've gone too far this will have gone straight over his head and he was like oh okay so it's a bit like the virtual airline i fly in and i was like oh pardon me 
so again, right, I've made an assumption because the guy I think is late 60s, maybe early 70s, that he knows nothing about gaming. He's like, yeah, I'm on a, a Discord server and we have a virtual airline and, you know, I'm retired. So in the morning I get up and I, I join the server and there's like a, a whole group of people that do air traffic control and I'll get given my schedule for the day and I'll go into the server and I'll ask permission for air traffic control to, to leave the stand. And I talk to them all the way until I've flown and then I get passed from one area to the other, which is real people doing air traffic control across the server, across the whole world. And you fly around and, you know, and I was just like, oh, my. and he was talking about, yeah, I've just downloaded a new mod so I can get passengers on the, and I was like, oh, okay, right. This is a guy in his seventies who knows what a mod is. I have made yeah. so many assumptions. That's here. so cool. It was freaking cool. And the cool thing about it was like this community that I assumed that sim racing was unique because you have yeah. the owners of communities, you have moderators, you have stewards, you have broadcasters, you have commentators, you have engineers, you have livery designers, you have all these people that make these communities what they are. And I had no idea that actually flight swimming is basically the same. Like they have managed like shift managers who will give people what their flight routes are. And then you have air traffic control. And these people will sit on air traffic control, like on the, the, the virtual radio, if you like, on this Discord server, and just direct planes in and out of their area just for hours and hours and hours, just for fun. And then you, th you, you think, you know, he'll tell me about like a, a route he did. It's like, oh, I did uh, Heathrow to Miami. And in my head, I'm like, there must have been hours where you just sat and looked at like artificial clouds just going yeah. across the screen, right? But th they love it. They absolutely love it. And it's this, you know, oh, he was cool. telling me that he's got friends who are part of the virtual airline and occasionally he goes down to London and he meets up with them. And I was like, I love it. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to what we've got, right? We've got all the livery designers, all the moderators, all the stewards and commentators that you could imagine. And yeah, similar world. It's kind of surprising for sure. It is. It is. And it's kind of, uh, I found it um, incredibly wholesome. But tell us a bit about your community. Because one thing I did notice, um, obviously you studied um, business at Mass at university um, and uh, started your YouTube channel. And I have noticed that there's definitely, you, you, do, you do seem to have, try to create almost like an enterprise around your brand. So you're trying to build more than just the content. So tell us a little bit about your, your kind of first thoughts and, and your plans about build, building YouTube into a proper business. Yeah, so that's a loaded question. Uh, where do you start? Um, <laughs> well, we've got time. <laughs> well, I mean, I think my first thing would be, if you're thinking that, of it like that, don't. Right? It's... I think it's the wrong mentality to go in with, right? And I think for sure there are things like on the YouTube side and on the business side that you can study and learn and um, get like feedback on to create bigger and better things and give yourself the best chance of success. But let's be honest, at the end of the day, it's a lot of luck and timing. Mm. Um, and if you are going to be successful, you just need to like it, right? Because chances are you might not. But if you like it, then who cares, right? At the end of the day, I'm just a guy who likes cars, been playing car games since I was four years old. That's basically all I've ever played. And I just really enjoy it, right? And when I, so if we rewind the clocks, back on my first channel, there was no one getting paid making videos, right? It was just something you did for fun. The YouTube partner program didn't exist. There was no Twitch. There was mm. no TikTok. There was no Instagram. People just started it because it was fun. I, I think my Twitch account was not originally a Twitch account. I think it was a Justin TV account. Oh, okay. Yeah, before, yeah. So no, no one was getting paid, right? So I think if you're going in with the mindset that it's going to be a business, maybe not the best idea right um so just do it because it's fun right saying that you can be super successful in it right there's all of these esports athletes all of these first party second party third party companies that are popping up all of these creators that are popping up and obviously on kind of like our side there's a lot of drivers popping up and mm. um making the making waves like in sim racing and some are even going to real life racing which is just kind of crazy so yeah it Including definitely yourself, right yeah 
Yeah, no, I've been doing some real life racing stuff, which is Second quite a bit of fun. Second in your first Miata race. Congratulations. Yeah, no, that was that was mega. So yeah, I've been doing all of this sim racing stuff for years and just like cars. And I was like, well, I've always wanted to drive a real car around a track. And doing what we do, we sometimes get invited out to cool events. Like I've done some stuff with Michelin where I've driven like some Audi R8s and BMWs around circuits. Um, I did some stuff with an old company called Robo Race, who I'm not sure is still around. Okay. Um, they had like an old LMP electric race car, cool thing. Drove that around the Berlin Formula E circuit. That's very cool. And I'm just getting all of these different sorts of invites to things. And I've always been like, that's great, but I want to understand it more. Mm. And I want to do better. And I want to actually build consistency. Because when you're going somewhere for a day, you can't build consistency. Like yeah. you can drive around the circuit, but you'll get better in that day. But there's no consistency building there, right? So mm. I wanted to actually learn the physics in real life, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be a logical step for um, a lot of people. But I just want to rewind a second because you said something there, which I agree with and disagree with. You said that you said that this is all about uh, timing and luck. Now, timing, I totally agree with, right? So oh, yeah. if, you, if you'd started in the sim racing world 10 years ago, given it a good crack for two years, maybe nothing would have, would have happened, right? But sim racing in the last couple of years, and I'm talking about the business side of things, in the last couple yep. of years, there's a real spike in growth. So, so timing, especially like for our business, Gridfinder, like timing has been absolutely perfect. Oh, yeah. However, I would put it to you that, that there is very little element of, of luck because luck comes to those who put themselves in an opportunity to 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 benefit from luck but let's call luck opportunities created by being present at the right time at right time at the right place and yeah. i look at your youtube channel and you post it every single day so you've yeah. been found by these companies you've been given <laughs> these opportunities i don't think it's lucky that that they found you it's yeah there's definitely an element of grinding it out working hard and doing all of that like, which is why you have to love it right yeah exactly right like when i started i didn't make money for years and i was putting in hours and hours and hours and buying all this equipment and i don't know i was a i was a hockey referee back in the day that's right. how i earned my money to buy cool. my laptop that i made that you saw in that saw setup it. video <laughs> right uh that's how i earned money to buy that and buy a capture card and buy the little microsoft wheel just because i liked it right um and then YouTube suddenly says one day, hey, we're going we're gonna to start paying people for this. And I was like, okay, cool. Great. And I was like, sure, Free whatever. Money. Yeah, I was like, nothing. And yeah. I ended up, my first ever check, I still have it. It's like $167 or something like so that. Please tell me it's an actual check. I did something very cheeky. Okay. Very cheeky. <laughs> I got, okay. <laughs> so. I got my first YouTube check. This was probably 2010, 11, and $167. They send it to me. And it wasn't YouTube who sent it to you. It was Google, right? Uh-huh. Google sends me a check. And it's in like this Google envelope. And I open it up. And I'm like, oh, cool, money. So I was like, I'm going to see if I can get another one. So I emailed <laughs> them and told them I lost it. Okay. So I framed the original one, right? And I cashed the second one. Now that's an inter that's interesting because I don't know too much about checks. So I guess you can't cash them in twice, or could you, in theory, go back to the bank and cash in that that first one? You know, I think not they probably void the first one. Okay, I, yeah, <laughs> and I'm also not saying that you need to right now. I'm not saying that you're like, you know, what if I really <laughs> needed that 167 dollars? Yeah, I could cash this in now. Yeah. So somewhere I've got. I think that's also at my parents' house, but. Um, yeah, that was like, it was like, whoa, now they're actually paying people for this. And then it's like, over the years, you start to be like, okay, mm. well, this does this and that does that. And you kind of figure out what type of videos you want to make, but also what types of videos resonate well yeah. with an audience. And there's, there's a lot of science that mm. goes into it. Like, um, especially on the short form stuff, there's a lot of like elements going on that are very quick that. As a viewer, you're probably just watching going, oh, that's just a video. Mm. But for me, I, I see it when I watch other people's videos. I'm like, oh, well, that's just 
you're just doing that because this. Mm, and um yeah so there's definitely like science behind the scenes that is going on like i said you can study a lot of youtube yeah. that's like the whole mr beast thing youtube well, is just numbers and stuff and yeah you can kind of crack it well i, I mean in the last 10 or 12 years we've come on so far and you know you you were there the transition where google started to pay you for these videos but now this industry of content creation, especially within gaming, has grown so much that now you're paying other people to help grow what you do, which I find absolutely fascinating. So, oh yeah, so tell us like how that started, right? So, so at what point were you like, you know what? I think there's room here to build a team around me because then we can go and scale this even faster, and we can do even better things. We can create more and better yeah. content. What was that process like? And was it was it scary that first time that you you brought someone onto the team and all of a sudden it wasn't nick it was nick and the team oh yeah 100 percent. it's like you suddenly bring someone on and it's like i don't have a child but i imagine it'd be like having a child like i am right. now responsible for this person yeah and it's like if i screw up i'm screwing over that person and that sucks don't well, want to do that cv right so you know, if, let's say let's say they that, that's your their first job, yeah, and then they join your channel, and then your your channel just crashes, yeah, and it's and then they they go to their next job, and they're like, look up that first channel, I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, well that's not a good sign, <laughs> right? So you've got kind of like a responsibility to these people to kind of do well, and I never saw it as so much like because I know some people look at it and go, hire one person, and kind of double your output or whatever, because mm. now you have free time for this. For me, it was always. I want to do something that I'm not already doing or do that thing in a better way. Mm. Um, so whenever we've got like big contests on, we'll reach out to livery people. Um, we'll reach out to kind of like specialists in the sim racing world and be like, we need to write a rule book <laughs> that like can't be cheated and things like that. Um, or when we launch the website, we're like, we need a team of writers for this um or on the youtube side it's like video editors and this and that and yeah you kind of very quickly have all of these people under your wing and it's like oh dear what have i done <laughs> and, and i guess like content creation is so personal especially because yeah. you're, you're you're in the content right you, there's, there's some yeah. content creators where they'll they'll essentially do the voiceover but you never see them on the screen whereas yours is incredibly incredibly personal you see your face during the videos yep. was there an element of was there a fear of perhaps losing a bit of creative control over what you were doing by outsourcing and delegating some of the tasks a little bit um like from a video editing standpoint for sure right because that's the final product that people see yeah and i've never been to film school but from what i've heard you learn in film school if you have like a documentary like f1 drive to survive right mm. At the end of the season, the Netflix editors have thousands and thousands of hours of footage and audio and this and that. You can turn that and spin it into whatever you want. Yeah. The only reason you and I complain about Drive to Survive sometimes <laughs> is because we know the real stories, right? Yeah. We know what's actually going on. And we know, like, we kind of understand the personalities behind it. But for someone who doesn't, right, you can take that and turn it into whatever you want. Mm. And it's the same thing with the YouTube video. We might only be recording for an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever it might be for a YouTube video. But you can still edit that in a very different way to someone else. Tell her, tell her, that would actually be an interesting project. Uh, you know, filming, a, I don't know, a, a four hours of recording of yep. gameplay and then using that exact same four hours, of, even with your, with, with your kind of live uh, discussion as you're doing it, and creating two stories which are totally different one could be all about you know the portion in forza motorsport is yep. terrible versus never you know one of these like never ever do this in multiplayer with the arrow <laughs> thing that you see all the yeah. time but you could use the same footage that should be kind of an interesting exactly. uh, experiment that's um yeah you can like for me i always like to focus on me not being a great driver and stuff because that's kind of my brand right but you could take my footage and edit it and make me look like a god gamer, right? If you if you wanted to. That's... Do you want to? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's one of the things, though. When, I'm, when I hire an editor, I'm like, 
here's like 30 minutes of a stream. Mm. Edit it. Let's see what you do. See the story you tell. That's kind of fun. So you're and not, I'll you're edit not, you're it. Not, so it's not a technical role. It's a creative role. 100%. 100%. Because you, you tell that story, right? And you figure out all the elements. And while I'm creating those videos, like when I'm streaming them, I'll go in with an idea. I'll never go mm. into a thing without an idea. And then sometimes while I'm doing that thing, the idea might change and evolve. Mm. And we're like, okay, this is the story I'm telling now. Instead. Yeah. And then in the editing, you could be like, well, that doesn't flow super well. Maybe we should change it and tell this story. And that's something you kind of need to realize, right? When you're, when you're doing it on the fly. So yeah, 100% creative. It sounds fun. It sounds very live. It sounds very dynamic. It's not like you, you make a list of videos you're going to make in the next two weeks and then you just get up in the morning, record them, and then that's work done. Oh, no. Um, 100% no. That being said, though, uh, you know, I've been through, as I said, like your YouTube page, got all the way to the bottom and it's clean like it is so well organized split into various yep. categories based on the game or the theme like your thumbnail has not changed for six years right so i scrolled down yeah and you have i've been the same through board. three types yes but it's the same so there, yep. there is clearly like there is clearly a lot of thought that goes into the presentation of the content. Everything like the the, the font. I think the font in all three of those is, is is the same. So it was just a it was just changed a, a little bit. It was like same the order colors. of the colors, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The colors were the same, but then they changed the yeah. order. Like, how important do you think those elements are to the success of the channel? So this is one of the things that when I'm doing like consulting calls with some people, this is one of the things that I tell people a lot. The game you're playing is not the product. Hmm. You can never have somebody click on a video or stream or whatever because you're playing Forza, you're playing iRacing, you're playing Assetto Corsa. It's cool, right? We can treat those as products, right? People want to see you have fun with it. But for your long-term success, people need to click on those videos because of you, yeah. right? People need to build that relationship with you and whether that be over a day over a week over a month over a year right people are going to build that relationship with you and kind of get adjusted to the way you do things so if they found you through a forza video maybe they'll like your personality enough to watch your iRacing video or watch your whatever video right so that's always what i'm encouraging people to do you have to you have to be bigger than the thing you are doing mm. right and I've always tried to do that in my content. Um, it's a struggle for sure, right? Um, because at the end of the day, I just, the way I always think of it is I want, like, like we were saying before, I just ha wake up and say, I find this fun. Let's do yeah. this thing, right? So there's no, oh yeah, this will do this and that will do that. For sure, science there is behind the scenes. <laughs> but you wake up and you want to play something fun and it's yeah you just go with it you go with the flow and it's consistent right it's and it's it yeah. seems to be every day so you know is there an element of like uh, how to put this like youtube meal prep do you do like a session where you'll record actually three or four videos and then they'll be scheduled out across a few days or is it just every single day making a video is priority number one and then you do yep. calls and stuff around it yeah so it depends. Um, the more editors you bring on, the more videos you can put out, I guess, technically at the end of the day. Um, but for me, I've always found success in doing kind of one or two things a day and making mm. that the best thing that you can do. Um, like I've seen people go on Twitch, for example, and stream for 10 hours and make videos from it. And I, I physically do not understand how people can do that. Because after two hours, I'm burnt. I'm done. Yeah. Like, I, I can't do it anymore. And it's just, it's crazy to me. So I'm always like, we make it short, we make it sweet. That's the best version. And that's it. Yeah. Either it comes out and it's a video, or we go, that wasn't good enough. Delete it. We try it again tomorrow, or we do something else completely. I guess there's, there's in, in the gaming world, you have your on-demand content creators yeah. who like you say film four hours and condense it down to 10 minutes and, and tell a story and then you have other people who let's just turn the camera on and play 
and their differentiator is that they're talking live with the the community right so yeah. the differentiator with them is that you go on and you 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 can talk to them you can ask them questions live when 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 they're playing so how have you tried to include your community more with your content that's actually something funny i've always wanted to do more right that was kind of why i did expansions right you can never just stay in one in one spot mm. so back in the day i was like i'm gonna use my hockey referee money and buy all of these elgatos for everybody um so it was just me and my friend and we all recorded our gameplay and uploaded that online and like kind of morphed it into one video so we could see everybody's perspective right and then other people started doing that i was like okay uh so we've got to change that up because now this is like mainstream mm. So I'm going to go to Twitch because I want reactions from people while we're doing it live. Yeah. And that's something you can't really replicate, right? Um, so it was like, how can I integrate people with the content in real time? Yeah. So I immediately jumped over to Twitch, Justin TV at the time. And I was like, I want to get people's live reaction to this and make decisions on the fly with people. Whether that be small then, things like the car with, or colors, right? Yeah. And was the idea yeah. to then make an on-demand video that includes it, or was it just for that stream to be the end product? So the, the way it actually came about is the first couple videos on my channel were all Let's Play things, because that's just, yeah. that was, there was no other types of videos, right? So people would just boot up the game and play. So I've got something like 150 episodes on Forza Motorsport 4. Right, which was my which was my game I played back then. Mm. And every 50 episodes I wanted to do a special one where we did it live and I played with viewers. There was okay. no Twitch back then. Yeah. So that's where Justin TV came around. And I was trying to do it off my laptop and it never worked properly. Yeah. But I was like, huh, people seem to really like these because they're in it, they're involved with it, we're making choices on the fly. And we did it for like episode 50, 100, and 150. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I guess it was Horizon that came out, and I did a little bit more live streaming with that. And then, yeah, then it kind of just took over, I guess, in 2013, 14, 15 or so, when live stream kind of really made that big boom. And then I was like, I kind of just enjoy making videos more from stream right mm. if it sounds weird to say it it's like it's a big thing i have like it's a big struggle i have with a lot of like the companies i work with right because they'll be coming in and they'll say hey we'd like uh this many live streams this many youtube videos right could you produce this i was like i yeah sure let's do it but could i make those videos like on twitch mm. and they're sometimes thinking like well this this guy just wants to do less work right he just wants to stream and <laughs> it kind of and make the video right? from it yeah and i'm like i get that from your side but this is just how i do it i just find it more fun to interact with people on the fly in my videos you can see twitch chat so if i do something really cool everyone's like whoa if i fall over everyone's like ah oh, l skill issue mm -hmm. <laughs> um and things like that or god you said that with so much pain in your voice oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> or it's like people go hey, I think you should try this car. Or sometimes somebody's like, hey, I just found this weird thing. Like, go try it real quick. And sometimes you get very unexpected results. So yeah, it's fun. It keeps it fresh for sure. So anyways, that's the long about story of Twitch and live content. It's just, it was an accident, I guess, but I found out I enjoyed it more. So yeah. I guess, I guess it's kind of like the, the, the difference between like acting for films and acting uh acting on stage right they say that like actors who yeah. act on stage every performance is different because yeah. they're, they're performing to a different audience and it's it's live whereas if you're doing it for a, a film you could do as many takes as you want and it, you're never going to get that kind of uh as, you're never going to get as much personality uh, across which yeah. is interesting because obviously you're discussing how the usp for streamers is the personality not the game like you're the product not the game yeah Exactly. And it's always, it's kind of always been like that. I actually really don't like making videos off stream. Like one of the things I'll sometimes do is make videos about 
um, recent news or like new games that are coming out. Mm. And those are always fun um, because you're talking about something brand new and you need to do your best like way to describe it and kind of make it make sense for people who have never seen the thing. Right. And those are great videos, but I hate making them because it's just I know in my head I need them to be so perfect. And because I'm recording it and not streaming it, I can just do it again. And I I almost get in my own head because of it. And I just end up doing it over and over and over and over. And I just I don't like it. I would much prefer to do it on stream. (laughs) Why don't you stream the process of making it? That would be fascinating because I reckon so many gamers have watched these videos like top 10 racing games to watch out for in 2024 or whatever. Like if you did a lot, this probably takes you like 10 hours or whatever to make one of those videos. But imagine a live stream where you get to watch somebody like yourself going through, picking the clips, doing the voiceover, but live. Like that'd be pretty cool. So this is actually something I've thought of. Maybe, maybe. Maybe 2024, I want to do that. We'll see. Or is it like a, you know, people always say, don't meet your heroes. You don't want people to be too behind the, you know, yeah. through, the, through the looking glass. Like, don't let them see all the way behind the curtain. <laughs> like, leave an element of mystery. Like, oh, yeah, yeah I just knocked this up in 30 minutes. It's just my like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of stuff like that, too. Yeah. Okay, so the story, you know, of where you, you, you've come from as a, as a hockey referee doing this for, for fun with the, you know, the, the, the Thrustmaster and the, the laptop by the side of the TV all the way to now is, yeah. is incredible. And it's, you know, it's taken time, right? It's like 12 years um, at oh, least, yeah. right? Probably longer, right? That's just the a- AR12 channel. Yeah. Um, but it's resulted in combined over 3 million followers and 1 billion video views. Like, yeah. what do those numbers mean to you? too much it's crazy it's like imagine being able to like look like i've never had a normal office job right but imagine after 12 years you could look back and see everything you ever did on your office job i mean i think for most people did on a day (laughs) right but it's like you could look back and see what you did on a random tuesday in Mm. the spring of 2012 i can do that and it's weird because you can see me kind of change and evolve, right? When I started this, I was, I think when I made my first video, I think I was 13. You some very cool hair back in the early days. <laughs> we don't talk about that anymore. Okay. We moved on. <laughs> Sorry, we'll edit that out. Liam, edit that out. <laughs> Nobody go and look. No, it's all good. All good. Um, but yeah, so you kind of see me, I mean, for me, you kind of see me grow up, right? Yeah. Through it. Because I was 13 and now I'm, 28 and it's like whoa you kind of go through all these changes and you see kind of like what i like change and how my tastes change right if you watch one of my favorite things to do is do customization videos and like build new cars Mm -hmm. i guarantee if you watched one today and you watched one from 10 years ago my tastes would be so unbelievably different it would just be weird to see right and you're kind of seeing that evolve so roundabout way to answer your question a lot <laughs> yeah uh, I, but, but almost like a billion views i i yeah i, I couldn't imagine what the you, you could you probably um you could probably do one of those uh like comparisons where you work out the watch hours or the watch minutes of your videos and then say yep. if you went back in time like the t-rex is still alive or like <laughs> whatever it is it's, it's the one i find that's always crazy and that blows my mind is views per second and right. those like a billion views over 12 years or whatever like is something like four four views every single second mm. every day every hour nonstop. For basically yeah. that period of time, which is just that's weird, and that's it's really probably, weird. It's it's like back loaded in the sense that it's not front loaded in the, in the, that, that that's four on average. But that wasn't happening in the first five years. It's probably like yeah. so now you're probably at what like ten or twelve views per second. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's super super weird to think about, and definitely messes with my head. Anytime you put right, because I can sit here and make a video in my office and kind of nothing can change for me in a sense, right? Mm. I could just see numbers go up or numbers go down, right? Nothing physically changes. Yeah. But it's always incredible when you do put faces to those numbers. Like 
I have no problem jumping on a video and that video gets X thousand views or million views or whatever. No problem. Doesn't bother me. I can jump on a live stream and do it. No problem. Fine. But I've been fortunate enough to be able to do some pretty cool events. Uh, we did an event in Ireland. Oh, cool. Um, and we were on stage in front of 3,000 people. And that was pretty cool because you can see them. But it's not like a one-on-one -on -one thing. Mm. So that didn't really mess me up. Yeah. The one that really messed me up is I was in the UK. Uh, my cousin was getting married. And I was like, why don't I uh, do a meetup in London? I'm just going to say in a video, hey, um, if anyone wants to come and stand outside Harrods in London, <laughs> just, I'll, I'll be there for like, I don't know, a bit. And you can say hi. Like, I'll give you a sticker or something. And we had like, I think it was like 600 people show up. And oh we goodness. kind of shut down, you know, that little backside of Harrods there with the little roundabout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We kind of shut that down. Harrods was all freaking out going, what is, what is going on <laughs> what here? Is and going on <laughs> yeah. And it was like, I can't do it with this. This is, this is too much. And it was like 600 people. And I'm like, this if is you, weird. If you were streaming and you maxed out a 600 concurrent, you'd probably be disappointed. But then when you go to Harrods and you see them actually physically there watching, it's like, oh my goodness. It, it, this is too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. So now that you're here, right? You, yeah, you, you've gone on this journey and you're at this stage now where you, you, you're comfortable and you're evolving and you're having a lot of fun with it. Like, is has there been a point where you've gone, okay, so this is this is a this is a thing now, right? This is my thing. Yep. What do I want to do with it? Like in the next ten years, what would I be proud to have achieved in the next ten years? Whether that be, I don't know, numbers, whether it be revenue, or whether it be events, or whether it be real racing. Like for you. What does success look like when looking back in 10 years' time? Uh, that's a weird question because kind of nothing in a weird sense, right? I just kind of go with the flow and kind of just do my own thing. And uh, I kind of set myself yearly goals. Okay. So last year I was like, my goal for this year is to do racing. Mm. I want to drive my car on a race circuit. So I just did it. Like I went out and I got a pickup truck and I got a trailer and I signed up to a track day and I took my car racing. And I was like, this is really cool. I had a lot of fun with it. Did another one. Uh, made a video about all that. And then the racetrack that I was at was like, we really like those videos you made for like about, like it wasn't about the track. It was just me driving there and mm. driving around the circuit, right? And they were like, this is really cool. We would like to invite you to do racing with us. So that's where they put me in the MX-5. They were like, here's an MX-5. Uh, we're going to give you an instructor, and you're going to go and do your first race. I was like, Jesus Christ, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I had to go and buy all the gear. Didn't have any gear. I had to go do all that. And then they were like, that was really cool. Why don't we do this even bigger? And why don't we give you a GR86, a brand oh, new one for next year? And... We're going to customize it and turn it into a race car. It'll be your race car, and you'll drive it for the entirety of next season. And what's really cool about it is people can rent it and try it for themselves. Mm, and very cool. you can kind of promote it that way. And I was like, that sounds really cool, because that'd be fun for me. And like, I can invite friends over to try it and other creators out to try it. And yeah, just so cool. So that was my goal, and that's kind of how I did it. It's nuts, actually, because the world of motorsport is starting to take notice of the power of content creation and these gaming yep. communities. Like, there's a, there's a few examples of of sim racers who have now, um, who have now who are now getting racing opportunities. So, for, like, so at the weekend, right? I was very like, this is this is a bit of mind blowing sentence, but I was at the um, the Austin Grand Prix watching the Formula One, sat next to um, Ian Porter, who's obviously Crim6, the Call of Duty player. He's, yeah. because of obviously his following, but not even in racing games, in Call of Duty, he's yeah. now getting opportunities to go racing next year in a series that is totally unachievable for, for, for most people because of the, the budget that you would need yeah. in order to go running. Like, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. But because of the, because of the, the, the character that he is, it, the opportunity comes to him because obviously racing 
is great, but until Drive to Survive, it suffered with one huge problem, which was you couldn't really get behind the helmet. You couldn't really work out who was racing. And so yep. then people were less interested in the stories because the stories didn't have characters. So now people like yep. yourselves and Ian Porter are, are, are racing because the race series and the race teams understand that if they're in the car, there is a story to be told. And if there's a story to be told, then there's content to be made. And if there's content to be made, there's marketing opportunities and we need marketing opportunities to go racing. It's yep. bonkers. It's just, it's such a crazy world. It's kind of crazy to think about all the changes that have happened over the past couple of years. But yeah, that's, that's a huge one. Like for me, like we were saying before, it's like you need to get behind the helmet. And I kind of realized that as well for my videos a couple of years ago. Um, I always wanted my videos to be very accessible to people. Mm. So some people will try and be very try hard and race and get the best lap time and do all that. Yeah. And that's great. But I was like, how can I tell the story of these cars? Mm. Right? Yeah. So when I'll do one of those customization videos, I might know everything about the new Lamborghini. But hold on a second. If you don't know what a Lamborghini is, why does it, it doesn't mean anything to you. You have to tell the story. So let me explain that mm. story to you and like why it's so special. And that's always something I've tried to do with my videos. So I've, I've always got this thing, fun facts. This, would, this wouldn't be an AR-12 video without any fun facts, right? So it's, yeah, it's one of those things that I always jump into and I'm always like, this is why this car is so cool. This is why this car is, I like this car so much. I know you might not, you, you might know everything about cars, but you might not like this car, but here's why I like it and why it's special to me. Or if you're somebody who knows nothing about cars, here's why you might like it, right? Kind of trying to tell that story, kind of get in like behind the helmet, right? Same sort of deal. Fascinating. And it makes so much sense, right? It makes so much sense, but it has to be a conscious effort because I think unless it's a conscious effort and there's an element of planning, right? Like I know you say that you, you're having fun, but you also said that you don't just go and play a video without an idea of what the, uh, play a game without an idea of what the, yeah. the story is going to be. So there's certainly an element of, of planning and understanding i heard once i think it was um we had chris hay on the show who's who's um done a lot of like assetto corsa modding videos and he did a lot of acc like uh, tutorials and track guides and um it, it, like the quality of his production is absolutely fantastic um he really cares about everything like color and and camera lenses and focus and lighting and stuff nice um he's really really cool but um i remember he once said that every one of his videos he starts with the title of the video and then work backwards so before he even starts recording he's yep. this is what the title is going to be and an idea for what the thumbnail will look like so then he's yep. got the the hook and then when he's doing the video everything is kind of like linking back so it i guess it's an art to be able to combine genuinely having fun whilst you're just racing and playing the game but yep. keeping in mind that you have to stick to a single thread so that it's followable and accessible yeah yeah so it's you're always kind of walking that fine line. Like in, in video games, you definitely do kind of have to work backwards. Um, sometimes you'll try to go in blind and surprise yourself on the fly. Like if I know a new Lamborghini's coming out, a new Lamborghini's cool car, everyone wants to see it. Kind of don't need to think of the hook beforehand mm. just because yeah. it's a genuinely cool thing, right? Everyone's yeah. going to, everyone's kind of already on, up to speed with that. But if you've got something kind of lesser known, you do need to definitely work backwards from that and go, okay, well, this is the thing I'm going to do. How can I get there in an interesting way, mm. right? And if you watch my live streams, you'll kind of see it happen in real time, right? Because it's, it's a live stream. There's no oh, editing. Just, just, just protracted, right? Yeah, Over a longer exactly. period, yeah. Yeah, so you'll see all of that happen, which is just kind of weird. It's, it's a very weird way to do a live stream, but you see me film B-roll in front of yeah. you which is weird right no one's doing that but it's interesting it's behind yeah. the scenes like, yeah it, but then you 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 know you you said that you're you're um that you want your videos to be accessible but a, a large part of the the success is not just the videos but the brand and you are the brand right yeah so you kind of want your brand to be accessible so if you're if you're giving this behind the scenes insight into how you make the on-demand content then it's only strengthening the accessibility of the brand as well as the content that comes out of the live streams Exactly. Yeah, that's one of the other reasons why I 
don't care about being the best or the fastest. It's like, it's cool. And the people who do it are great and like super talented. Mm. But for me, I just don't care. Like I've started my videos off by saying, you only clicked on this video because you wanted to feel better about your own driving, didn't you? <laughs> right? And just like making jokes about it, right? And what's actually really nice about it is there is never any pressure on me. Nobody expects me to do well. Yeah. Nobody expects me to win a race. So it's like when I win a race, everyone's like, whoa, that Big happened. Underdog story, right? Exactly. But if I don't win, then it's like, oh, well, he's, he, he's the guy who loses all the time. Right. And it, there's no pressure, which is kind of really nice. Um, but yeah, going back to your question, in the real life sense, you never need to manufacture a drama, right? Mm. Driving a real life car. Yeah. It just kind of happens. They'll, they'll um, do it for you. Exactly. Right. So in the last race of the season I had when I was testing the GR86, they were like, hey, just drive it around in the race and see what you think. Give us some feedback and um, we'll kind of make it your introductions uh, story to what's happening next year. And uh, I was like, cool, no problem. We go out um, like I'm in the car. We go out for qualifying. We have like four laps and uh, a Mustang crashes immediately. Classic Mustang. <laughs> uh puts it into the wall and i'm like oh okay well back into the pits we go and uh we had to wait like 10 15 minutes or something for them to repair the wall and take the car off the track and everything like that driver was fine um anyways go back out do qualifying again i'm like cool 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 uh so all the cars like line up in the parking lot and they're like hey you need to grid there and you need to grid mm. over there like depending on where you finish and stuff and class and so i go up to the lady and i'm like where did i qualify like what was my time She's like, what's your name? I'm like, I'm, I'm Nick. And I'm like, how'd I do? She's like, uh, I don't have a Nick on my paper. I'm like, that's weird. I'm right there. I'm, I'm driving the 86. And she's like, well, I've got an 86, but it's being driven by Anthony. I'm like, I don't think my name's Anthony. <laughs> right. Um, and I was like, oh, anyways, what, like, what time did Anthony do? She's like, well, he did a 10-minute lap time. I'm like... I'm supposed to be the skill issue man, but I don't think I did a 10 minute lap. Like I, I wasn't so. driving around the Nürburgring, <laughs> right? Slowly. And I was like, wait a second. Something, when the Mustang crashed, my transponder in the car kind of glitched. And it's, it found me going onto the track, but never coming off. Right, so you're still so in the So the clock the was ticking <laughs> the entire time I was in the pits. And because we had a short and qualifying, we only got a short amount of time, my transponder never registered a lap time for me. So it said 10 minutes for my lap. Not so I was like, okay. Ego, that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I, we were kind of doing testing. We kind of wanted to know how fast it could go around the circuit. No one's ever driven it before. And um, I was like, well, that's kind of disappointing, but I'll start from the back. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I, whatever. And I started from the back, and then that was your drama, right? You've now got this rapid car driven by a man who has no idea how quickly it goes <laughs> it's never driven around the circuit on like a lap time before in a race and we're just going to kind of figure it out on the see fly and see what happens and i ended up in a 30 minute race overtaking nine cars or so i say nine and a half because i was side by side with an mx5 oh it counts it counts yeah that yeah, counts yeah. I, I take that um but yeah it was like drama just happened right you don't need to manufacture that it just just exists in motorsport yeah yeah motorsport is, is very well queued up for that i remember my first uh race i did a a, a series in it i don't even know if you have these cars in america because you like big cars and this this is this is like tiny to you but it's a four ka like a little okay thing yeah yeah right? it was an endurance series there's like 50 cars on the grid and the first time i went out for qualifying obviously incredibly nervous right first yep. proper session in motorsport um and i get to the grid and they're kind of doing that they come and check all the cars and we didn't have uh um our fire extinguisher was not properly connected so they're like you're gonna have to go back to the paddock and then come back again i was like oh my god okay so i'm already nervous and now i'm even more nervous i'm like am i even gonna i'm gonna miss the qualifying and then i realized that i'd never put this car into reverse before and could not get it into reverse. And I was in the middle of all these cars and had to do this very awkward three-point turn. I was like, grinding the, grinding the clutch on the way out, yep. just shaking on my way through the paddock. And I was like, I don't know which way to go. And the, there's just people everywhere in the paddock, and I'm just driving. And everyone's expecting to see the... And it was 
horrible. But a lot of drama. A lot of fun. Great learning experience, though. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, Nick, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate you joining us for this podcast. Um, I, I feel like I have done a, a disservice to our listeners. So I, I want to ask you just one more question. Like a, yeah. a, a lot of our listeners will be hoping to get some real great insights from you about content creation and YouTube, et cetera. And yeah. we haven't done a lot of that because it's honestly, I can't believe this, this hour has absolutely flown by. I can't believe we're at the end already. I've just realized what the time is. So if you can give maybe three top tips for people who have got a small channel, maybe they've got yep. 150, 200 followers, but they really want to make it. What tips would you give them? Okay. So number one, do it for the right reason. Do it for fun. Don't do it for money. If you're having fun, regardless of what happens, you've had a good time. You can make millions or you can make nothing. At the end of the day, you've had fun, right? Cool. Uh, number two, I think would be just continue to do it, right? Some people get kind of discouraged if they don't have a million subscribers in six months mm. or 20,000 views in 24 hours or whatever it is. I don't know, whatever. Just keep doing it. Keep grinding. I'm on my, what was it? A 10, 15 YouTube channels. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh I started when I was 13, 28, uh 15 years uh to get to where I am. So uh just just kind of keep doing it. Um and just keep grinding, right? Keep having fun. And then number 3, kind of find your niche, right? If you want to be the try hard boy, be the try hard boy. Got to beat everyone. A little hard, right? Mm -hmm. Some people are very very quick. Yeah. Um if you want to be the skill issue guy, Go ahead, do it. If you want to be the car customization guy, go for it. If you want to be the guy who puts on the best car shows, be that guy. If you want to be a Tom and put on some crazy events, be that guy. I don't know. Just There's so many different opportunities, right? And you can kind of do whatever you want, right? It's, you're not limited to that one thing. You can go out and do whatever you want. So just do it and try it all and see what you like. So to summarize, have fun, keep yep. having fun, and do what you want. Yep. I love all that. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Great science. <laughs> Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your time coming on to the Sim Sundays podcast. Thanks. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me.